Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the amazing Anya O'Neill. Anya is a producer, she's a screenwriter, and she's a contributor to Ireland's most popular YouTube channels, the Facts Channel and the Try Channel, which is where Anya and I met. As well as this work on Ireland's top comedy YouTube channels, Anya has worked on some of RTE's most prominent uh, reality TV shows in particular over the last few years, including my favourite one, The Rotunda, which is centred on a maternity hospital right here in Dublin, and you kind of go on the roller coaster ride uh, that is that experience the highs and the lows and as well as that Ani is now moving into the world of screenwriting and is currently working on some really exciting projects uh, including a feature film and a pilot and is on her way over to LA uh, to relocate there um, in the coming months so it's a really exciting time and what an amazing chance I got to chat to Anya. so if you are listening to Anya, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it as well as that guys go and check out our Patreon page it's patreon.com forward slash personality bingo go on be sound kick a few euro our way it makes a huge difference to me and I bet it wouldn't make a massive difference to you if I'm wrong on that assumption massive apologies keep on listening forever for free that is totally fine but if I'm right and a couple of euro a month doesn't make a massive difference in your life I promise it makes a huge difference in the life of the show assuming that a couple of our listeners manage to do it uh, on a week to week basis which has been happening so I don't want to single out people who have been contributing I really do appreciate it guys you know who you are it makes a huge huge difference Uh, some really exciting theatre news uh, coming uh, your way soon and some news about some new writing projects that I want to share with you just from a personal selfish point of view but until then please enjoy the amazing Anya O'Neill playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Anya O'Neill, ready to play personality bingo? I am indeed, Tom. All right, we already said the first inappropriate thing just off (laughs) mic, so uh, the the stalls are set. Uh, So, a quick explanation of how it all works. Uh, I've got 60 minutes on the clock. Uh, I've got 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you five numbers on that sheet of paper. Will you do me a favour and read out the five? Yes, so 19, 12, 55, 46 and number one. Brilliant, okay. How do you feel about having number one? I'm delighted I got one. I'm excited now for this question. Yeah, okay. Uh, Do me another favour, pick a sixth number, something between one and 60 that's not already there. Okay, I'm going to pick 11. Ooh, two ones. Yes. Is that the reason? No, I just, it's kind of like a good number for me. Okay. So I like 11, yes. I like it, all yeah. right, all right, I like it. And I should say that uh, if all six of them numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned and you get to ask me any question in the whole entire world. I already know what I'm going to ask you. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right, here we go, let's give it a spin. <laughs> uh, oh. Okay, there we go. Uh, you actually have a real bingo machine. I thought that that was a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, number 35. Do you have it? No. No worries. Number 35. The question is, how do you feel about being the age you currently are? I love being this age. Mm. Yeah. So I'm 31. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel my 20s were very much me kind of figuring out what I was doing. I went back to college and stuff in my 20s. Just a lot of that. Whereas I feel like 30 was just a total change for me. Even, even in my mindset, the way I was. 
Um, so yeah, love being 31. I think this decade is going to be like amazing for me. It's going to be the making of me. Yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's such a common thing that people take their 20s to like, like it, you know, even we were talking about like writing and stuff after yeah. that, like every single TV show, it actually doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s right now. That's literally what every show is. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, a bunch of women in the 20s like trying to figure themselves out in like life and love or like, you know, three guys trying to like sort themselves out and stop being such messes in their like 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, like that's everything. Like it's so funny. So, yeah. what did that look like for you on a tangible day-to-day basis? In my twenties, yeah. Oh, for me, it was very much like that. I suppose, yeah. You're finding yourself. You're figuring out who you are. You're also, I think, a lot more. I don't know. Well, this is the way it was for me. I was always a bit afraid. I would hold back a small bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was found. I was kind of maybe a bit intimidating sometimes, and I don't mean to be. I think I'm just very loud and a bit out there sometimes. People are like, "Oh, holy shit!" Mm. So I kind of found that my twenties, I was always apologising for that. Whereas now I'm like, "Oh no, this is actually who I am, and I have to embrace this." And since I have, I guess. I think it's just changed for me in in the way people approach me, the way I approach life, career, everything. But my 20s, yeah, I was definitely figuring myself out. Like that, I went back to to college. I didn't go to college when I was like 18, 19, I suppose, like a lot of people. Mm. Um, Mature student, that was amazing for me. That was just the best thing for me. Just gave me the confidence I think that I needed. And then like that graduated when I was 29. And then, of course, then like turned 30 then. And then since then, it's just been onwards and upwards. Did you have like any weird stuff about turning 30 and moving from your 20s to your 30s? No, but it was funny because I ended just before my 30s. I actually, a lot of relationships that were very important to me. So like I I was in a long-term relationship that ended just before I turned 30. I had a really long-term friendship as well that we just kind of drifted apart and another couple of friends as well. But I just knew that that was my transition. I I Mm. had to shed skin. Mm -hmm. Like I knew and and I just had to shed all all these things and these people and this lifestyle. I just had to shed that. So for me, I of course, I was like, oh, like I turned 30 and I was like, there's so many people here that were at my 21st. But then there's so many people that aren't that were at my 21st that aren't here. Mm. And I was like, this just this just shows where I'm going and I'm going on a different path than a lot of other people that I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know. So so for me, it was definitely like, OK, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm at the start of a journey and that's that's where I am, you know. Yeah. And what's so exciting about that is like in the kind of implication of that so there's people who were there at the 21st that aren't there now but there's also loads of people who are there now that weren't there at the 21st definitely which is so exciting yeah of course and and just me even known like it's funny right so I had my I'm from Tala originally and I my family moved out of Tala like a long time ago but I still all my friends were there like you know so I was always kind of socialising there and I had my 21st in in a pub um called the Old Mill in Tala mm. and this was the pub that we always hung around and all but I remember it was kind of where I used to go with my boyfriend and all my long-term relationship, that kind of thing. And I knew on my 30th, I was like, I'll never be back in this pub. So it was like I was putting it to bed as well. Oh. And I literally haven't set foot in there since my 30th. So I had my party there and I was also like, that's me done. Right. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yes. And what would it be like if, you know, like... Do you think that you will never be back there again? Or is it something that you want to go and see? Like, Yeah, like I'll probably like, you know, random if you're at like a 30s or 40s or whatever, because like of cousins and stuff that still live in Tallis. So there is a chance that it'll still be there. But for me, I've never chose to socialise there. I would never go there by choice. And it's only just because it, it, it's, it doesn't have the same feel for me anymore. Like mm. I walk in, I'm like, I don't recognise this place. And, you know, the, like I said, the people I would have gone there with, I no longer go there with, you know, that kind of way. So mm. it's completely different, like. And what about 
in that transition period where like as you I think you use like the word like shedding and those relationships are coming to an end and you're in that transitionary period from like losing them into kind of coming into the the new ones you Mm -hmm. know what was that like like there's got to be those kind of like dark lonely nights where you just miss those people that are so you're used to having them yeah well for me I'm a bit of a loner anyway like I always have been like ever since I was young my mum and my dad like everyone always says I was always like a bit of a loner and then it's so there was relationships like because you know as well like you end a relationship and you're not necessarily on bad terms with the person but you're just kind of like we we aren't the same people Mm -hmm. so there is times I look back definitely with fondness like um you know, that I kind of look back and I'm like, oh my God, they're getting married now or, oh my God, he's got a new promotion or, do you know, and you're just totally, like, you're blessing them but then you're also moving on. It's like, oh, that's great, you know. Mm. Um, So no, it doesn't have to be a negative thing and then I don't really, like the lonely nights, I don't get that. I think that's a thing for people that are possibly afraid to be alone with themselves and with their own thoughts and I think if people of course there is times you're like oh I'd love a little cuddle or whatever but then like that goes within two minutes like you know mm. and it's like okay right like so this is a nice time for me to just be on my own What what's my day tomorrow looking like what have I to do tomorrow so yeah I'm a very alone person anyway mm. yeah yeah nice alright cool let's give it a spin alright here we go next out the gate we have number 28 do you have it? no no worries number 28 the question is do you believe in love at first sight? Yes, I actually do. Okay. Well, whether it be love, I think that's something that would evolve. But I, and I'm not talking about attraction here, but I would pick up on people's auras straight away. Mm. So like I would go into a room and straight away, had, have never met that person. I'm like instantly attracted to them. Mm. So I always know whether it's going to blossom into like a friendship, a work relationship, possible date. You know, I just kind of know. Um, I'm just really good at, at picking up a, a, on, on a kind of room that I'm in so yeah there's been in rooms that I'm like oh my god like look at him or you know that kind of way so obviously it's not necessarily love because I think that grows over time but there's definitely been yeah times where I've been like right, I need to go over and meet this person and I have to either go on a date with this person I have to go for coffee with this person I just have to be in with this person mm. do you know that kind of way yeah so yeah does that present problems when, like, you know, if you've got that, you they know... They don't want me. <laughs> well, but I mean, if you've got that, like, sense and you've got this, like, sureness in you and you are, like, intuitive in that way mm-hmm. and you're like, I know this and, you know, then you act on that or something and they're kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, Of course. And, and sometimes as well, I feel that I'm that person that shows people things about themselves, whether it be good or bad. Right. So I think there's always something that me or that person is going to get out of that relationship whether it just be even a friendship sorry just a friendship or just even giving someone a bit of advice or getting a bit of advice from them I always think there's just a reason that you're drawn to someone and I think so many people don't go by their their good instinct so you walk into a room and you're like well I'm going to stand over here because I feel more comfortable with this person and I met this person once before so I'm just going to stay talking to them Mm. instead of being like that girl over there looks really interesting or he looks really interesting. I, or, you know, I'm attracted to them. I want to go over and speak to them. Mm. And people don't out of, you know, fear, nerves, whatever. Whereas I have to go over and talk to that person and I soon find out why I'm I'm getting to know that person. Do you know? Yeah. I can give you an example. Please. Wandering on. So on Sunday, um, met, I was at this thing that I wasn't even supposed to be at. Don't know how I ended up at it, but I was there anyway. This is the story of my life. And uh, I was at this thing and... I was talking to this older woman and she introduced me to this younger woman that that seemed a bit kind of nervous and stuff. 
sorry, when I say younger, younger than the woman I've been speaking to, but maybe a bit older than me. Mm. It's maybe like 40s or something. And um, was chatting to her just about various different things and straight away got onto a topic. Because I find as well, when, when you when you find those people, you can have real conversations, mm. do you know? So it's not like, oh, how's the weather and blah, blah, blah. So straight away, me and this woman just started talking, kind of getting in deep about various different things. And she just started, I was telling her one or two things. And she just started bursting out crying. She was like, I was meant to meet you today. She was like, I wasn't supposed to be here. I was telling her I wasn't supposed to be there. And she was telling me this whole story. I was able to give her a bit of insight. We traded numbers. And then before you know it, there's something that's after being setting up there for her that she didn't even know about that is going to help her with something that's that's going on. Does that make sense? So obviously I don't want to be giving things away. It's people's personal, you know, information. But I just, I knew I was supposed to be there at that in that place and that random time for whatever reason and I was there and I met this person and now something is coming from that and she's updating me every day and I'm like holy shit that's mad that's how life can go yeah okay first I have questions <laughs> of course what was the thing that you were at okay so this is random as well I suppose a thing that not a lot of people would know about me and only something fairly new so kind of since I'd say the end of September I started going to like a church, mm. right? Started going to a church, Christian church. Uh, absolutely loving it. So I started going just with my sister. My sister's gone the last year and a half. And all of a sudden she's like this, she is really positive and happy anyway. But I was like, oh, I'll just go with her and see what this is about. I'm open to absolutely anything. Sure. Whatever your, your gig is, if I'm your friend and I'm in your circle, I'm going to support you, whatever that is. Yeah. So I was like, look, I'll go with you. So I went with her. All of a sudden, I was like, this is just amazing. The people here are amazing. Everything is amazing. So the church I go to is in Newbridge and it's called Open Arms. And I just love it. And look, this isn't me like, you know, preached or no, anything. No, I know. It's just you, yeah. where I go. Uh-huh. So go on a Sunday. But then on Sunday gone, I was supposed to go to Open Arms like I do every Sunday. And for some reason, I just didn't. Something told me to try, check out the one in Carlo. I'm kind of living in Carlo at the moment, homeless, wandering around, mm-hmm. living in Carlo at the moment. And someone just told me to go to this church. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, I wonder why I'm here because I don't feel it and I'm not picking up anything from the auras in the room. Like, I'm very like that. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, look, I'm here now anyway. I'll just embrace it. And it was the last second that I was introduced to this woman, ended up standing there talking to her for half an hour. And then she was telling me some of her circumstance. I was giving her a little insight into, you know, various different things. And like that, I'll never be back there. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it was just, I wasn't supposed to be there in the first first place. Loads of things were put in place for me to be there. Like, and then I was there. Do you know, I just, it was just very strange for me. Like, because I was like, I wonder why I'm here today. I was there. I was about to leave. Got introduced to this woman. End up sitting there, cr- like this woman, you know, for a half an hour, getting really emotional about stuff. And now she's updating me every day on something that's happening for her. And I'm like, that's why I was there. And do you feel comfortable when she opens up like that? Because you know when someone cries around you, that can yeah. make a lot of other people uncomfortable because they don't know how to do. So you, you're able to sit with that and sit with her. Of course. And I'm and equally very comfortable crying in front of someone or laughing. For, you know, mm. emotions are, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm fascinated with this idea of the church. And I like, as in, I don't want you to feel any self-conscious on talking about it because I'm really interested. Absolutely. So what, like, what is it that is speaking to you and your sister? Like, so for my sister, her journey was completely different. So she had, she was kind of dating a guy that was gone. So of course she was just going along, going, going with him. And she started talking to me about it. And of course we're all like, oh, here we go. Like my sister's going off the rails. Do you know what I mean? And I'm her biggest fan and her biggest support. And of course would help her with anything. So I was like, well, look, I'm going to go and just see what this is about. 
And then I went and it was a place I went that I I love people that are so open that are themselves mm-hmm. and can say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I think, blah, blah, blah. I don't like mind games or anything like that. So, and these people, I just felt this is where everyone was wearing their heart on the sleeve. Everyone was very honest about where they are in their lives and their emotions and what they feel. So for me, I just instantly sl- slotted in there and I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. But since then, all of a sudden, my life has taken a different direction that I feel like I'm not driving the train anymore and or driving the bus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, that's just where it's gone. I've met such amazing people like I've I've a lot more in common kind of with these people as well. And I just feel that inner peace. People in life are searching for this. We look for it through one night stands. We look for it through relationships that aren't fulfilling to careers that we shouldn't be in. People are just constantly searching. Like nobody can ever say like, do you know what? This is where I'm, I, I don't need that next. Do you know, mm. not a lot of people can say that. Everyone was always kind of saying, like, am I supposed to be kind of feeling like this today? Am I supposed to be having these negative thoughts? They're all just gone for me. They are gone for me. So if that if that means going by going to this church every Sunday, that's helping me with that. Why wouldn't I do it? Because now my head is clear and I'm able to focus on on things, my career, my relationships, my friendships, my you know, I'm able to focus on the things a lot more. And I don't get caught up in the negativity or the negative thoughts, whereas before I would. You know, and that's just gone for me. It's literally removed for me. Okay, so how long are these, like, uh, what do you call them, services or? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah, service, like, okay. so. Okay, how long, minutes-wise or hours or? So I would go, there's, um, usually most churches would have, like, two or three services a day. So it just say, I think they're on for, like, say, an hour. They might go over, might go under. But you go in first and it's people singing and dancing. So you're at, like, a live concert, right? And I'm the worst singer ever. So I'm never in a situation where I get to sing, mm-hmm. but there was so, but there is absolutely something so freeing about being able to stand there and and sing and shout like you know not shout but I mean sing at the top of your lungs when no nobody can hear you, and then just um, yeah that's just so freeing and and already then your endorphins are flown and mm-hmm. then the messages it's not like the Catholic Church at all mm. like it's really not like and you're going there and the message is just all about like love each other be kinder to people you know respect one another like that's what I'm getting out of it it's none of this like you know women are like under men and Mm -hmm. like you know like no gay is allowed it is absolutely not what the Catholic Church have put it to be do you know that sort of way so for me obviously I don't know an awful lot about it as well mm-hmm. so you know the fact we're talking about this I'm probably not the right person to be speaking no but you are as well in other ways so yeah probably what what uh, who is the person that you're listening to is it is there like a you know a, a priest figure oh yeah so you would have like a pastor a pastor so uh, mine uh, our pastor mine like uh, is PJ Booth okay and his family are just wonderful like their story is wonderful him and his wife another thing what I loved about it as well you go in and there's a lot of couples there and stuff obviously that would go together and they're all so loving towards each other mm. like you know it's just constant like you know hand holding or hugging or you know it's just very free and you're allowed to just be yourself like we've all been in situations where you're like this is amazing because you can just be yourself and you can talk about what you want and nobody is judging you and you know all of that so sorry I'm going off the point I guess about, about pastor but ours is PJ Booth his son runs Dublin one up here as well um, Sean Booth but I would just 
I love being around him and his wife Liz. They're so nice. They're so great. You know what they do for people, and and when you hear their story and what they've come from, you're like, this is amazing. Mm. You know, so and so that like. So is is there a specific denomination of Christianity that this is associated with? Like no, I think so. No, it's it's like they kind of like it's Christianity, obviously, but then it's not the Catholic Church. It's yeah. not Lutheran. It's not. So what do I Google to find like this church that his son runs? Okay. Oh, so so this is Open Arms Church. Open Arms Church. That's the name of the church, and it's it's a Christian church. So gotcha. they're all over. So Christian churches are all over. Um. So it just so happens the one I go to is in Newbridge yeah. because. That's the one I went to. I love it. It's very young. There's all people our age there. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanting the best for themselves, but the best for people as well, mm-hmm. which I just love. Um, so it's open arm church, but it's a Christian church. So like that, there's loads of them all over the place. There's your, uh, there's your, if you're looking for something to write about, like I'm looking for something to like, I just finished, you know, another thing. I'm looking for something to write. Like that's your thing. That sounds fascinating to write about. <laughs> like it, it? Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny. Totally, in yeah. so many ways, because you could go at so many angles with it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cause it, just, it sounds great. It sounds amazing. Mm. I'm so glad you found that. Fifty Shades of Jesus. Working for you. <laughs> Whatever you want, man, it's there. Um, it is, it's great. But I mean, yeah, just like the world of that, because I think it's really interesting, because as you said, like, as a generation, and just where we at, like, in general, in the world now, like, everyone is so obsessed with, like, just living their best life. Like, as a phrase, like, that is just so there between, like, you see it with, like, mindfulness apps, how popular is yoga, like, Mm -hmm. exercises, like, at an all-time high, people, like, are eating better. You see so many non-alcoholic beers. Like, people Mm -hmm. are, like, obviously, most people live their life the same way, but there is also a lot of people that are trying to change the way they live and, like, change the narrative of their life. Yeah. And I think because of how fucked over Ireland was by the church, of course. it's such a natural place, though, that something comes in and replaces that mm-hmm. because it's undeniable that us as people respond to spirituality. Like, we like leaders. We like we like coming together and being yeah. told stories and, like, feeling part of something like that community. If anyone is, and what you just kind of summed it up there of what people feel and what they think, and if anyone is feeling that, I would advise them to go to a Christian church and just check it out and tell me that you don't walk out of that after the hour and a half with either a new friend, feeling better about yourself and feeling stronger that you can take on the week. Like Sunday is now my favourite day. Mm. And just when you say about drinking and stuff, and you would know this, obviously we're friends a long time. I was the standard, you know, you go out on your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, drink or whatever. I haven't had a drink since like... I think since I was back from Vegas in like September and I know that's not an awful long time. Well, it is. But like it is for someone that you would go out all the time because that's what we do and especially in Ireland. Uh-huh. I I no longer have that need or want. Do you know what I mean? The Saturday night, it's like, oh, I have to be out and, and, and you're so right because everyone is looking to live their best life but it's their best life they're eating better because they want to look better, mm-hmm. not because they want to be healthier. They care about their 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 health, sure. you know. Um, people want to be living the best life and their best career because they want the money to have the nicest car. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not it's not any other reason. So although we all want to live our best life, what does your best life mean to you? Because your best life, it's it's not like oh, because I look skinnier on Instagram and my skin is glowing and I'm a fitness person, which is great. And, you know, I'm driving like the best car or whatever. And that's why I'm living my best life. It's that you can go home at the end of the night and put your head in your pillow and have that inner peace and be like, I did good today. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is Mm. to say I did good today for someone else and for myself. And I am now I'm, I'm very strong on people's auras and automatically that aura is picked up. 
And since I stopped that, I know like that. I it's funny. I don't drink. Like I had one glass of champagne when I was in. Um, I was at the premiere with Chris Pine, Chris Pine, um, for Into the Night, and of course I was in like Chateau Marmont. So like they're giving out like John Pernion, and I was like, okay, well I'll have a glass of that. But that was it then. One mm-hmm. glass of champagne over over like a four or five hour period. Whereas before it was like three bottles, do you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah, it's just not a thing anymore. Well, that's when it moves from like you know drinking to like filling the hole in yeah, yourself. This you know is it, I mean? absolutely. And I self confessed would have been like you know, yeah, you're doing that and you're just plodding along through life, and you're like, oh, should this is what you do? Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, yeah, you go and get drunk, and like you have that random one night stand, and and it fulfills you for like you know whatever a couple of hours. But then it's like, okay, that's not this. There has to be more to life, mm-hmm. and I've I feel like I've found that, and feel like I'm on that way. Okay, so I'm interested in what you're talking about with auras and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're in a room together now. Yeah. Can like, what do you feel like being in a room with me and like my aura? Can you like, do you have a <laughs> tangible feeling about this? Yeah, of course. Okay. Like it's funny. Um, Paddy is it? Paddy, yeah. Yeah, Paddy. So the minute Paddy looked at me and smiled straight away, and straight away I was like this is a positive experience. Like I just knew when I relaxed instantly. Okay. So, whereas like if Paddy just say come in and was possibly having a bad day and just looked at me and was like, yeah, come on in. Like that would have possibly, I would have been like, okay, this changed my mood. I need to adjust to that. Whereas I was able to come in and I was like, this is a positive, nice space. And obviously I know you, so Mm -hmm. I would be well aware of you being such a nice guy and a good guy that it was fine anyway. Mm -hmm. But but for Paddy, obviously I've never met him. And instantly he, I loved his aura straight away. So go big up Paddy. Okay, and so when you meet someone who does frown or who doesn't have that smile first or like mm. if the you know gut instinct isn't positive, yeah, uh, how do you respond to that now? I probably have to go up and ask them. Like I'll have to eventually see to that person. And it's funny, like in my work at the moment, um, I, I just someone I met recently in the last kind of couple of days, and they're they're kind of constantly like their face is just you know that that emoji with the mouth that's just like like this yeah, like straight yeah. across I know people can't see me but like I'll stick up a selfie yeah. sorry, like it's just a straight line I love that emoji <laughs> as well but it's it's kind of like he's like he's, he's trying he's to like, smile but mm, he can't yeah. and his, his, his mouth is like it's like a, a straight ruler of teeth that's it mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's kind of no it's no it's not the emoji with the teeth not it's that the one. one you know he's just like hmm Oh, just the, the line. straight line. Okay. How do you get that emoji up? <laughs> but basically, like people know what I'm talking about. But you know, when there's no emotion on someone's face, yeah. And straight away, I have to, I, I'm talking to this person because I'll have to figure out why mm. that's like that. And then, like, look, obviously, you don't know why someone is possibly not, you know, maybe happier. You know, whatever is going on, that could be just the way they are. But you know, it could be just something niggling about him, or it could be that he just doesn't like you know respond to me possibly that he's kind of like oh god she's very chatty and loud and smiley and stuff like that as well so that can be a bit of a turn off mm. but then I think when you when, when you work on people a small bit you kind of get to the root of it and then you're like okay that's that's the reason and right. it's like okay Grant uh, one other question popped into my head about the church yeah. I'm so interested and it's only because I, I'm quite like, like Tom you're going to come with me I'm, I feel I, I, will, I probably will go yeah Good, I'm, yeah, I'm of just course. so curious we will and then we'll come back on and we can talk about your experience I, I, I'm really interested yeah. so but how do how does something like this become like financially viable for like a family like so do you pay when you go no well I so this is another thing which is very funny to me so you obviously you don't like you put money in or whatever so this church they get now, I don't know everything about it again, but they obviously get funding from like, I think it's the Christian Church Ireland mm-hmm. group. So that's like a, a funding group. 
and you give money like just say they might ask you to donate or whatever every week and if someone how it was put out because I was like yeah, of course they want money you know mm. you're thinking again Catholic Church you're like yeah of course you want money to yeah, fund yeah. your hatred of women and like <laughs> the, the you know whatever anyone that's different whereas the way they explain it to you is that and this is like kind of back to the Bible I can't believe we've been saying this but like back to the Bible like it, it, like Jesus kind of says like his message is show I'll give you you give me 10% and I'll show you what you can do with the whole 90% so mm-hmm. basically 100% of all your earnings or, or yourself or whatever just give him that little 10% keep the 90 and I will show you how I can propel that 90% into something else mm-hmm. so again you can give in 2 euro 1 euro 50 cent whatever you want and for the first couple of weeks I wasn't given anything because I was like I don't get what this is but then I started talking to people within the church that were possibly maybe suffering from addiction or had various different things going on for them and you would hear their stories or they might get up and someone would tell their story and this this I was hearing about these people and do you know for example someone was saying um suffered from addiction for a long number of years and then found this church and all of a sudden they just don't have an addiction to heroin or drink or whatever it was that they Mm. have and I was thinking if this place, this this community centre is funding this person, they absolutely deserve my money. I give money, like I'm always kind of giving to like charities or whatever I can, like, you know, homeless and stuff like that. You give you give what you can. And I was like, OK, this is just another version of that, that this person once was on heroin and now he's not. And he's coming here and he has found friends and a new life for himself. I have a lot of like addiction in my family. So I would be very, I would respond to that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this deserves my money. And then even at Christmas, like I, like I find myself that I want to give every week. So they're not asking, they're not, you know, whatever. And it's funny because like, I've never, I never feel that I'm out of, out of money. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'm constantly given to homeless. I'm constantly given to to when I have it, what I have, and that's just the way I am. And I'm never short money. So, and what about can women like do the job? Can women be pastors? Yeah, absolutely. And our that- two two of our main pastors, Rosie, is uh, like slowly become a real good friend of mine. She's a wonderful person. She's actually over in Africa at the moment. But Rosie is like our age, her and her husband. And um, then Liz is a pastor as well. So yeah, there's a really good female pastor. I love her. She's in America. Her name is Lisa Bevere. Mm -hmm. And her and her husband, like her husband, John, I don't know their full story, but like John was addicted to porn. He, she was like, they were just totally your typical couple searching for whatever. Used to kill each other, you know, look like they were heading for divorce. They had kids, no money, all this kind of thing. Totally started going to a Christian church, turned their life around and then, like, just propelled from there. But I love her because she's really cool and she's just she's just deadly. And I love her as a female pastor. But that's the thing. It's it's women and men that are up there. It's not like this Catholic church that yeah. you're not allowed and women can't be priests and, and that kind of thing. It's not that at all. And would you become a pastor? Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny that you're asking me that because, like, I could see myself eventually, like, you know. But then again, I don't know. It's only because I like... To tell people and help people maybe and try and make people feel good yeah um that yeah so maybe but again that would be something that's obviously down the road i'm sure my career what i do now i think will i'll be able to kind of maybe serve people that way yeah if that helps. sure yeah 
Hey guys, Tom here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but uh, here at Headstuff we have a ton of other amazing podcasts. So I'm going to throw it over to Aaron, who is going to insert a digital advert with one of the podcasts that you should be listening to. If you like this podcast, you're probably going to like a ton more on the Headstuff Podcast Network. David Kitt, hello, how are you? It was a bit dramatic, the post maybe, and part of you goes, oh shit, now. You feel like you have to leave now. Well, there's that, (laughs) and there's me, and then it's like your mates texting you going, geez, what's going on? Like, can can we go for going away pints and all this kind of stuff? (laughs) Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore, your weekly music smackdown every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Love it, right? Let's go to spin. <laughs> oh yeah, are we still like yeah. I know that? that was a great detour, though. I'm all about that. All right, number fifty-two. Do you have it? No, I don't. No worries. Number fifty-two. The question is, oh, this is a funny one, given everything we've just talked about. What is one thing you wish you could change about yourself? Um. Well, not now. I don't really have something, but before, so this is funny. So up until maybe August, September last year, I was like, I am sick of. Going out drinking, going out having one night stands, going out just floating around or whatever. And I was sick of worrying about the future. Kind of, I used to be a really bad worrier and like possibly overthinker as well. So that's what I wanted to change for myself. And that has laterally now changed. Mm. Um, what, sometimes I can be very like outspoken. Like I would just come out and say something to, to my own detriment or the person that's hearing it theirs. Um, so yeah, I would be be very outspoken. So maybe now that's probably the only thing I I should maybe pull back a small bit. But then, other than that, no, nothing. Look, I'm happy enough and I'm trying to treat people well. I guess. How do you think it would change you if you did become less outspoken? Um, yeah, it, it would kill me. Like, if because that's like who I am, and I have to. Because my ears are always open as to what I could possibly be doing better, or what I'm 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 doing wrong, or. You know, I, I'm all about learning, all about learning in every aspect. So I feel that I would find that very hard because I'm like, I'm not learning from this person or this person isn't learning from me and I'm not grown in this situation. Mm-hmm. So I would find that very hard. I have to learn from something. Like I, even later on, I'd be like, okay, what did I learn from that podcast? What did I learn from today? Mm-hmm. How was it? Like, you know, self-reflection, that kind of thing. And I feel that that's all a part of me being able to ask someone openly a question or them being able to ask me or say something. What happens when you are with people, say, that would find the idea of your church, like, stupid and, like, who don't want to look inwards and who don't want that? Because there's loads of people like that the same way there's loads of people who do. How do you navigate those relationships? Because I'm sure there's loads of people, like, in your life who kind of, you know, not that they have to be in your life, but, like, family members, old friends, whatever it is. How do you navigate that when, like, someone just isn't really open for that kind of dialogue? Well, it's funny now because it's interesting because there's probably a lot of people that would be really close to me that probably I just haven't even seen them to tell them that this is what you know mm-hmm. it's like oh this is where I've been because um, obviously I was away for a couple of weeks as well mm-hmm. so I was going to a church while I was over in LA but um, I totally get it because I was that person like when my sister came in and said I was like oh here we go yeah like this is great this is just you know another thing I've to support you know whatever um, so I would totally be respectful of their opinion and be like yeah of course look I get it and then but nobody can 
like nobody can they may be able to say oh but what about this and what about that and I'm like listen I all I know is how I feel mm-hmm. and I feel so good mm-hmm. so do you ever have the impulse to change them though and to try and make them more open to that because of what it's done to you and all the positivity that's come to that and obviously you only wish positivity for these people of course. so is there that temptation to try and like bring them yeah, whether it's physically bring them or to just like emotionally change the way they think about themselves or the world. Well, the thing we say, like the thing I've kind of picked up on is we, I don't have to give anyone a message about God or the Bible or Jesus or anything like that. I really don't because I feel like I am a living, a walking, you know, example of the message in a way mm-hmm. and what it's done to me. Um, I would only, I, I, I don't ask any of my close friends or anything like that to come, come with me. Some of my family members, like I said, like would suffer maybe from a bit of addiction. I'm like, come with me and I, like, you know, maybe see what you think. But I would never press it. It's it's what I'm doing. Um, It's not like what they have to do. I'm a big kind of advocate for therapy as well. I think therapy is great. Mm. And for years, I've always said to people, therapy is the best thing ever. Like go to therapy. And... But at the same time, not preach it to them. You know, that sort of way. It's like, oh, well, this is what I do. So when someone comes to me maybe with an, an issue or whatever and they ask my opinion how I deal with something, I tell them before, say, it would have been like, oh, look, go to therapy. And it still would be, possibly. But now for me, it's like, well, look, I find that this helps me. So if, mm. if you want to go, but I'd never be pushing it on someone or anything. What were the differences between attending the church in Ireland versus LA? So they're obviously a bit bigger. Um, it was like being at a concert. So I went to Hillsong churches. I'd get anyone to Google them as well. They're just amazing. But like you go and you're in a place like the Gaiety or um, the Olympia. That's what it's like. Mm. And you're there and it's like a concert. So like you're going in. So again, it's that. You're at a concert. What do you do after a concert? You feel so good. You're bouncing around. You're releasing endorphins. You're singing at the top of your lungs. You're feeling so good. And then you're hearing a lovely message about how people love you and to treat people great and you know you're amazing and all this sort of stuff sure why wouldn't you feel great about that but you're just getting that I guess on a, on a bigger louder scale but like our church in open arms is is huge like I think you know some some weeks there's like 300 people there possibly 400 maybe um like it's always packed they always have really good events on and you know little lunches and or whatever like you know little events that they kind of have on and it's just a community kind of thing. So in LA, obviously, it's just a lot bigger, mm. you know, really. like. And what about then the, you know, the way you said before, you would have, the th- your go-to thing would have been like, oh, therapy's been really helpful mm-hmm. for me. Maybe it'll work for you. Do you, do you feel, um, what, what has it been about this church that has made this your kind of go-to now? Is yeah. it that it's been more effective for you than what therapy was? Yeah, well, so th- so fun, well, not fun fact, but I suppose I have been going to therapy, the same therapist, right, since I'm 14. My sister passed away when I was 14. She was 16. Mm-hmm. And I was, by the school, like, you know, you're sent to a therapist or whatever. So I was going, I've been going to that same therapist. Now I'm 31, like, she knows me since then. She's been through everything with me. Like, I love her, like, she's great. And... Like she has obviously got me through sometimes and I always just said to her, I feel like there's just something missing. There's something I'm not doing. I'm not fulfilling my my dreams or my goals or I'm not pushing myself enough or whatever. But then I just found when I started going to church, all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is it for me. Mm. So although I still attend therapy the odd time, 
like going to this church every Sunday is my therapy. I love it. Like I can't wait for this Sunday. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. So yeah, it's just I I I can't. That's the thing. I am just an example of it. So I I'm not preaching to anyone or saying that. And anyone that knows me would be like, no way. Because this is just, I'm being so open about it and this is how, how it makes me feel, mm. you know. I never knew your sister passed away. Yeah, uh, God, yeah. Um, I was 14 and she was 16. And um, yeah, passed away. Really kind of, I suppose, freak kind of accident. She was at a 21st and um, she was drinking at the 21st. I felt like some 16 year olds, you know, you'd be drinking or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like literally fell on her head, like banged her head and yeah, literally banged her head. So went home that night though, like, you know, fine or whatever. Her friends were, were like, oh, sure, we're having a sleepover, went to house or whatever, went back to her friend's house. We were like, oh, sure, put her on the couch, you know, she's drunk or whatever, kind of put her on the couch and then obviously sadly didn't wake up the next day. So yeah, do oh you know God. what I mean? I know, but that's the thing. So, so people go out and you're falling and whatever. So I'm the, like, do you know, if someone falls in the corner, I'm like, get that person ambulance straight away. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a big thing about it, like, because an ambulance wasn't called and stuff like that, which it should have been, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, devastating time. Devastating time. And like, so what does that do when you see, like, so, you know, before your, your sister passed, what was her name? Uh, Sinead. Sinead. So before yeah. Sinead passed, like, what what was your relate like? Is it that thing of like you know you're looking up because uh, I'm the oldest, right? Yeah. So I don't ha- I don't really know what it's like. But okay. like I'd love to think that my younger brothers look up to of me. Of course they would. And but was that what Sinead was for you? Yeah. So we were very close. So my older sister, um, there's like ten year gap in between myself and my other sister. Mm-hmm. So my sister Yvonne, my brother Stephen, and, and then there was me and Sinead, and there's like the ten year in between us, eight years between um. Um, Sinead and Stephen right. so we were the ver- very close because the other two had kind of like flown the nest in a way Sure. so <clears throat> it was always me and Sinead so we were so close we were kind of like Irish twins in a way like, but we killed each other as well killed each other and um, yeah just had that center. and I, I would yeah of course I was, and she was real cool and I was like a loner loser and she was just real kind of cool real popular with all like her friends and stuff like that and um just it was never in trouble never like I was just always kind of the mad one that was always coming home with these like random mad stories and all of them, <sighs> like family were like okay but like yeah she was just you know just so placid kind of in a way would walk into a room be very you know grand kind of thing yeah um so yeah so no definitely would have looked up to her and uh, all her kill friends at the time definitely and and so like and you know when you're that age even like now mm-hmm. like I don't know how you feel but like there is still like kind of an in- invincibility feeling ab- about you, like especially at that age. Like yeah. you just don't think about dying. You don't think about your friends dying. You don't really think yeah. about, you know, ma- like when I was younger, I probably thought about my parents dying more than they did at, at that age. So w- when you know something like that, as you said, like a freak accident happens yeah. and out of the blue, no, there was no anticipation. There was no time to say goodbye. Nothing like that. Of course. What does that do to fourteen-year-old you and your house? Yeah. Well, so I would have had a kind of tough upbringing mm-hmm. like my house was obviously filled with a lot of love but obviously a lot of kind of sick people as well with addiction and stuff like that right. and also even like like my uncles and, and aunts and stuff like that so there was various different things and I so I always I had a bit of a tough childhood anyway mm-hmm. so I felt that this was almost like another thing I had to get on with mm-hmm. I was like okay right this is what I have to take now today like this is what I have to take like so 
for me at the start, but what it did for me was I was like, I am not going to go down the rabbit hole of where my other like other family members have possibly gone and that kind of thing. I was like, I just can't. There, there's there's more out there. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's that's what it, what it did. Like for me, obviously, you know, it was just kind of I was like, OK, life is so fragile and can be gone tomorrow. It makes me obviously very appreciative of what we do. And that's probably why I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I'm so honest because I'm like, you could be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I need to tell you now that I love you and I think you're great. Do you know the sort of way? So I'm very like that. And like, yeah, like uh, funny because I laugh at situations that I get myself into. And I'm like, if only this person knew that this is why I have to be so honest. You know, they're going to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so probably not a lot of people would know that about me, that um, I lost sister when I was when I was young. Yeah, mm. definitely. And like, broke my heart. I'm sure. I can't mm. imagine. I can't imagine. And do you think about that? Moment, like, do you remember the last like time you and Sinead like spoke? Oh yeah, it was so funny, and, I, and I'm laughing because I'm looking at a leather jacket. So yeah, I was actually the first person to find out out of all my family, mm. which was horrendous as well. So I was in Cork, and I I'd gone down to so I was 14, and this is another thing about me as well. I was just rare in myself in a way. Like okay. I was street smart. I was off on my own. This is just the way I was, and I still am. Like you know, I just I'm, I'm always like that. So. I was going down to Cork to spend time with a friend and uh, it was a summer camp. I used to go down there and made friends. So I was going down to stay with her family and I was getting the train down on the Thursday or, or was the Friday, possibly the Friday maybe. Yeah, I was getting the train down Friday morning. So on Thursday night, I stole a leather jacket of hers to bring with me and she found out and came in like tore the jacket off me. I was like, give me the fucking jacket. We're killing each other. My mom was like, you too. Oh my God. So like, you know, killing each other. But of course it was because we used to kind of kill each other every day as well. Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah. I was always trying to rob her stuff and hang around with her and stuff, you know, so she's like, get the fuck out. So um, this was just, in a way, our last interaction, of course, was us killing each other because yeah. that's how we were. And even after, I remember my dad was like, and your last thing is oh you've had a fight and stuff and I'm like of course we did because that's what we did but I loved her so much and she loved me so much like and so I went down to Cork and was down there she was going to the 21st on the Friday night and it was back then you kind of had your little Nokia phone or whatever mm. so on the Saturday morning I was in Hillbillies down in uh, Cork mm. and my friend was working there at the time so I was waiting for her to finish her shift I think she was finishing at like maybe 11 or 12 or something like that and I was down there waiting on her to finish my phone started ringing. It was one of Sinead's friends. And I was like, hello. And um, they rang, obviously. Or he was like, look, um, can I can I have your mom's number? Like, And I was like, no, why? I was like, why? What's going on? And he was like, just give me your mom's number. Just give me your mom's number. And I was like, no, no, no. What do you want? Because straight away, I was thinking, right, something, what's happening? And I'm not, I wanted a buffer from my mom, mm. you know, because I didn't know what was going on. I was trying to protect my mom. So I was like, you have to tell me or I'm not giving you my mom's number. So he just burst out it and he was like, Sinead's dead. And I was like, what? I was like, what? Like, of course, straight away, unbelief, like hung up the phone. I was like, fuck off. But then her best friend, Gemma, rang my phone back and I knew and I knew and I was looking at the phone. And I was like, this is the call. Like, this is true. Ran into the bathroom, just like collapsed on the floor, screaming, crying. Obviously on the phone to her, to, to Gemma and she was like, it's true. And she was screaming, crying. So I was like, okay. I have to ring my sister. I was like, I'm not, I don't even know if I gave my mom's number. Straight away, I just rang my older sister. So I rang her, told her, and she was like, I haven't heard that. She was like, well, look, they're probably all just winding you up. Don't be worrying. Just do what you're doing. I'll ring you back. Like, So 
nobody rang me back. It was so funny. So nobody rang me back. And I was like, what's going on? So so the girl I was staying with, and I love this, right? The girl I was staying with, her, her ma- she rang her mom straight away. I was like, come down and collect us. Brought us back up to the house. I was sitting there. Nobody was answering phones. I didn't know what was going on still. Mm. My sister hadn't called me back. Um, the 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 mom, my friend's mom had. She was like, I'm gonna ring Talagarda station and see what's going on. So she rang the guards, and she came in. She was like, Look, they don't know anything, so maybe it is a prank. But we're gonna get you up to Dublin anyway. And it was back then. I don't think there was even a motorway, but like put me in a car. So drove me to Dublin. Right, still no one ringing me or anything. I didn't know what was going on. Mm. I arrived at my house and there was just loads of cars. There were so many people and I knew then. I had that bit of hope driving up. I was like, this is a lie. And, but then I I found out after that, that my friend's mum was actually told by Talagard Station that it was true, but she didn't want me to make the journey to Dublin known that it was true whereas I was going up still with that hope it's like this is you know fake like she thought that was the right thing yeah yeah which in a way it kind of was because then I was around the right people to be able to deal with it there's no right way to do that exactly whereas I was still on in that car journey still being like what is this like this I knew I knew like my gut instinct knew but I was like what was going on whereas the minute then I see my family then I was able to let go and collapse and Mm. be devastated and Mm traumatised you know Mm -hmm. so and what, like, what's your relationship to Sinead now? Like, you know, like yeah. f- 15, like more? Uh, 2000 and, oh, it was funny. So it was the, um, 2001, 11th of August. Yeah. So a month before September the 11th attacks. Wow. Yeah, that's 2001. Yeah, it was, yeah. So like, how many years? I can't even add with the math now. Um, so 17 so like and a half. 19, yeah, 17 yeah. and a half, 18. Um, so it's actually her birthday on the 27th of February. Um, oh. But her... So yeah, we... I I don't... Like, when I go to her grave, I kind of stand there and I'm like, okay, I'm looking at a headstone. That, that's not where she is to me. She's mm-hmm. obviously my heart, mm-hmm. like, and, like, part of my soul. So I would... It's still, I think about like when I see her, when I'm going to see her again, I'm like, I wonder will she be her 16 year old self or has she grown? And you know, what does she look like in heaven and that kind of thing? Mm. But she's with me all the time. I feel that all the time. Like, you know, so yeah, I'd, I'd still, she's not physically a tangible force that I can kill again like I used to like do you know mm-hmm. what I mean but yeah. Uh, yeah she's very much obviously still around me and in my, in my heart you know and especially sorry since my, my sister has two kids and my old her oldest uh, niece Isabel my sorry my oldest niece her oldest child um, Isabel is like this spitting image of her it's scary but she's very like her as well and then her her younger sister again my niece is very like me so a lot of us are saying, oh my God, that's like me and Sinead back in the day. Because the older <sighs> one's real cool, placid, whereas the younger one is like creative and mad and just bouncing <laughs> around walls and chatting to everyone, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Gas. And what, like, what, where, where do you think she is? You mentioned heaven there. Mm. Is that something that you, is that what you believe she is? Yeah. So again, like, I probably wouldn't have believed, I always kind of believed and you're like, yeah, of course there's a God and there's this and there's that or whatever. And to me, God isn't like this man that's sitting up in the clouds. That's not what it is. Mm. God to me is in the beautiful day we have, the nice person you meet. Um, do you know, like God is in everything and everyone, I feel. Mm-hmm. So I always obviously kind of believed in heaven. But then there's times I was like, meh, whatever, if I don't see, you know, like, is that really a thing? But obviously, of course, now, yeah, totally. I'm like, grand, I'll see her again that one day. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know? and, and what does that, because it's interesting, you know, as in, 
like I've never suffered grief in that level mm. like I've lost like two grandparents who would have been very close to like recently you know so I would have known them as adults and like become friends with them so that's like the closest thing I have really like I've lost like I've lost friends but even that they were like they were friends they weren't best friends or anything yeah. like that you know so it, like I, d- I don't have anything to compare but sometimes if I think about them or, or like think about you know as you said like the grave and the headstone is really useful because it is a thing and it is a physical you yeah. know place yeah. but like when you say heaven and, and and stuff like what does that actually look like to you like where do you think we're gonna go and what will that be like again look and i don't know because know. you know but right so for me i genuinely feel that we all have like a spirit and a soul and you know we definitely have that and whether it be like i do think like do you ever just look and people don't do this because obviously we're all so busy and caught up in our lives and sadly nobody looks out the the bus or the bus window anymore the train window because we're all with our heads on our phone but if you just look at like beautiful scenery trees a kid laughing you know someone enjoying an ice cream someone like freezing cold but getting a hug from the person they're walking down the road and all these really nice images that to me is where spirit lives and where what it is like in them nice little moments that we have with each other and do for each other and in the beautiful setting that we're around and I think when you start to ruin that and chip away at it, that's when society goes a bit mad, mm-hmm. like goes a bit wrong. And I think that that's kind of happening a bit now at the moment. So for me, I feel that when we all die, your your spirit definitely lives on, your soul lives on, but it's gone into other things and it's gone in to help other, other people and other beings here mm-hmm. on earth then as well, maybe. That's mm-hmm. what I think, possibly. I love that. This is so great. All right, let's is this live or pre-recorded? <laughs> Can I just ask, is this live or pre-recorded? Uh, as in... This is like, like, can I go to the bathroom? Uh, or is it? Yeah, go yeah, can go, I? Yeah. Just because I'm just thinking, I just drove from Carlo and I was like, okay, I'm actually bursting. Yeah, go bathroom. Is okay, can yeah, I? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just the end of the corridor like, right there. <laughs> yeah, is that okay? yeah I'll keep talking. About... I'm going to keep talking and we'll just go. Like... Yeah, I'm going to monologue. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, no, this is so great. It's so interesting. I think sometimes I am going to literally do this. I'm going to talk to myself until Anna comes back. But it is really interesting, like, you know, when you hear someone talk about grief on that level and you hear someone even talk about, you know, such individual spiritual choices, like, you know, refining your faith, like opening your heart again to like God, the idea of a church, like the idea of sort of like religion within an institution, whatever that is. So interesting as an interviewer, like what's the okay thing to ask? Like, when's the thing to push too far? Because even just catching myself in the moments during this chat like Anya's obviously such a beautiful person so open so comfortable like kind of her own vulnerability and her own like life and like the truth within that but it's very interesting when you're catching that like moment to moment and like when to stop like or when to push or like what to ask it's so interesting like the follow-up questions you choose or choose not to ask uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like commentating on what it's like to be in the middle of an interview <laughs> Pee. Yeah, well, you well you peed. Uh, it was a really fast pee. I know, I know. And I was like, wash my hands. I was like, where's the soap? Yeah, well Panic. done. Panic. It was kind of excellent. We just jumped back in. Of course. Uh, number 23, do you have it? Uh, no, I don't. I'm raging because I really had a good question for you. Oh, th- this is gas, actually. Why? It's all just very like spiritual, this episode. <laughs> and it's the machine, not me. You needed this. I, I this needed is, this. Yeah. Yeah, hey, See? look, I'm... Man. Tom, how long are we trying to get this podcast going? Yeah. How long have we been like, we have to meet up, we haven't seen each other? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on board. I needed this. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. Number twenty three. When was the last time you said a prayer? Oh, like 
this morning coming up here. So I have this, like, you can I, see my little yeah, necklace there. It. It's gorgeous. My sister got me this for Christmas. And so I'm working on the Rotunda Series 2 at the moment. And um, uh, a wonderful mum gave birth to a little baby last night. And I remember, like, waking up and, and she was on my mind. So I just said a little prayer for her. So it's not like our father, or you know, it's not that. I just kind of rub my little necklace and I'm like, oh, like, I hope she's okay. I hope her baby's okay. I hope her, her partner's okay. You know, so I, like even coming up here, like, like I'll probably leave here and after we, and I'll say a little prayer then for you or, you know, yeah. you just think about that person and be like, I just send them blessings and love and uh -huh. I hope they're okay and get them through whatever they need to go through. So it's kind of just like that. It's really interesting. I was talking about this with somebody the other day and I was talking about, because at the moment, you know, I was talking about, I've actually talked about this a, a lot in the podcast, so I don't want to get into it, but like mm. I was going through a hard time before Christmas and just a bit depressed. Yeah. Just like life was hard, yeah. you know, and it, I was, Being there, yeah. I was probably the, like at the lowest point I've been, certainly mm -hmm. as an adult that I remember. And yeah. like, and, and now I feel out of it. But I was basically talking about how it feels very easy for me right now to be grateful. Yeah. And like, but very easy. Like, because sometimes I, I always try and, and do that and like practice gratitude and literally just like list out things and like say thank you to the world for mm -hmm. them. I do try and do yes. that. But and but sometimes it feels artificial and sometimes it do, like it's not really coming. For, I don't feel grateful for it. I just have an awareness that I should be grateful for it. But that's even a thing. That's that's okay. Yeah, yes. I, I'm not judging that that like that practice. Mm -hmm. But it's so nice when it comes naturally and of like course. and I can mean it. But I totally I totally understand. So when when I was younger, when I was a kid, right, I yeah. remember like my prayer used to go like this: "I can do it for you." Yeah, and it was come like. On. Like as a, like as a kid now, I, like, I never changed it, so I just grew up with it. I, yeah. I don't really do it anymore, but sometimes I catch myself doing it, and it's kind of cute. But I'd be like, "Please God, let Mom, Dad, Richard, and Ben all be okay. Please God, let me be okay. Yeah. Please God, let Granny and Granddad both alive and in heaven be okay." It was always just be okay. Yeah. Like I set the bar nice and low. Um, please God, let all my aunties and uncles, family and friends be okay. Let um, let uh, Jesse, who's the dog, and yeah. like uh, Fluffy Hoppy, who's <laughs> the dead rabbit, <laughs> and that. Ish, the fish, uh, all this stuff. But like it was just like it was always this, and like to everyone that I, like I've met and that I haven't met, it was really interesting. Like I was literally like just trying to like make as wide a catchment area of like people that, like yes. just to be okay. It's very interesting, but like, I think that came from a lot of fear because it yeah. was literally like to be okay that, mm. that that was all yeah but that's all anyone wants you I just guess, want the yeah. person beside you to be okay mm. so uh, you don't wish nobody wishes for that person to have like oh I hope that person gets the best car and the best that's going to come out of them being okay at the root of mm. themselves mm. that's going to all happen like them really good things or whatever so the fact that you're sending that positivity and you, you were talking about maybe it's a bit superficial sometimes or mm -hmm. has been that's still okay and it's not superficial because you're still saying it so it's still out there mm -hmm. so that's still a thing and you're still wishing that for someone even on your lowest moment or your baddest day you're like I don't I'm not really grateful for this but I'm going to say it anyway <laughs> you're still putting that out there do you know what I mean that's a positive thing look the way I look at it is you have two when you first wake up in the morning you have two sets of controls in your head, right? You have two four men running, two four women or four men running the, the controls, right? So if you wake up and you say, today is going to be a shit day. The weather sucks. I, I'm not in the mood of this job. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get out of bed. The foreman is like, okay, so listen, guys, um, Anya has said that she doesn't, uh, she has, she's going to have a shit day. She's going to do that. All this negative stuff. They're going to put things into place and thoughts into place that, that match up with what you the manager is saying 
So if you wake up and you're like, today is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And it could be superficial, of course. You're saying it through like gritted teeth. You're like, today is going to be a good day. That's okay, because you're putting that out there. Mm-hmm. So just make that be your mantra that you know it's like today is going to be a great day something amazing is going to happen i'm so grateful even do you know that second when you wake up and you're real warm in your bed just say i'm so grateful for this and i'm so grateful to know that i can get back into this bed tonight so i'm going to get out of it now mm-hmm. i'm so grateful that the the house is warm this morning or i'm so grateful i've filled there is people that genuinely do not have those little things mm-hmm basic human things yeah. so if you can't say thanks for those well then you need to have a chat with yourself yeah do you know completely mm-hmm. there was one thing at the very start when we started talking about the church yeah that like I like the, the one time in the whole conversation I was like okay hold on this sounds weird to me yeah the time when you said that you don't have the like negative thoughts anymore mm. and like that just sounded to me like either I don't know it just didn't say it didn't ring true yeah, now I mean more about myself. Right. So I don't, not necessarily, I don't have negative thoughts about like, oh, the world is, you know, like I'm scared in this. I mean more, you know, you'd have negative thoughts about where you're going, where yeah. your future is. And mm-hmm. you'd be thinking like, oh, I don't want to do this today. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm not like that. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to do this. And even if I don't, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to put a smile on my face. Mm. It's more that. Yeah. Obviously I still feel like, you know, like, I get scared about like I look the homeless thing and that creeps into my head and like that's a negative space obviously because mm-hmm. you're thinking of that and you're like oh my god but then I try I would flip it then and be like things are eventually going to get better and, and what way can I help do my small part today mm. there's a homeless person look I have a fiver or two euro whatever mm-hmm. so them little things but yeah in terms of like absolutely I go around like my head sunshine the clouds no no, it's not that I think it's just that initial I generally this day is that you just feel bad and you don't know why mm-hmm. I don't have them I don't have them mm. that's what it is for me mm. do you know what I mean so it doesn't mean that that negative or bad things don't happen throughout the day mm-hmm. that's not it and you react to them but my reactions now instead of being negative are like okay well how can I make this pull this situation back how can I make it better yeah so it's that sort of thing I mean does that am I explaining that no, right no perfectly yeah yeah, 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 just yeah, yeah that clarifies yeah. it really well so maybe saying yeah sorry sound like I'm, I'm skipping around with my head in the clouds that's not like you know that's not real life yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. I can face things I'm stronger now mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah I love it right let's give it a spin yeah okay here we go number whoa, four do you have it no <laughs> no worries you Num- tricked me yeah well hey look at number <laughs> four what are your dreams for the next five years so the next five years, um, I'm hoping to move to LA. That's mm. my plan. Um, I want to write a feature and I want to write a series. Um, sell them both. I want to be able to use my, I suppose, my personality, the positive aspects of my personality, I guess, that would be quite open and stuff like that, maybe maybe to help. And I, I definitely think... I think I suppose I'm thinking of career now. So I'll go into personal goals in a minute. But for, for my career, I that's where I want to be. And then I also want to... I found when I was going over and doing the whole LA thing, nobody would help me. Nobody would sit with me and have a cup of coffee. Nobody would... Like, like I mean, the boards in Ireland, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the Irish Film Board. Nobody responded to my emails. If they... All, all these are, are, are bodies or whatever um, in, in the film and TV world here kind of couldn't get anyone to network. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? 
So obviously in America, it was completely different. Everyone would sit down and have a coffee with you, even for two minutes. Everyone was there to offer a bit of advice. So I definitely think I want to, I, I want to look into that more for, mm. for when people do eventually maybe want to come over and that kind of thing. So in terms of career, I'm definitely swaying more into writing as to producing. Um, I definitely think acting for some reason is going to be something that I'm going to get into. I just, I know, do you know when you just feel something? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I don't have time to concentrate on that yet. It's definitely more for writing for me at the moment, um, pulling back from from, from producing. Um, and then hopefully, like, I suppose where I want to, the reason I want to be there in my career is because I want to eventually when I have kids to be able to be a mom at that time like I think that's very important and and it is a thing that like you know obviously kids need their mom and their dad but I think as a mother you kind of want to be there at them early stages but a lot of women obviously are financially not in a situation to do that mm-hmm. whereas I, I want to be in a, in a situation that I'm able to be like okay I, I don't have to work for a year or two and I would be totally open to it like look if I'm going to be one of the people that has kids of my own like whatever like I just want to be in a financial situation that I'm like okay, I can be here for my child's, you know, be at home every day or whatever needs to be. Mm. You know, I want to have that flexibility in my career to be able to do that. So I suppose personal and professional, that's where I'm going. And what's your relationship to writing right now? Like, what what, what does it look like? So I'm writing... It's at, so annoying. Sorry to interrupt you. No. I, the thing I always ask as an interview is what does it look like? Because it, it's just, it's it, and it annoys me sometimes. But it's, and like, and it's a kind of question you'd never ask it not in like this setting. If you ask that to someone like in your day to life you're a bit of a wanker but if you do it in this setting it's just so it's such a good way of doing it because you're not it's it's removing any kind of lead into the question you know what I mean yes. like it's just purely like what's it look like like, like you can go anywhere with that you know yeah what I mean? of course well, that's sorry it. I no. just caught myself doing it and I've been thinking about it recently no I totally get it because I get like that is the sort of question that I would ask someone I'm like so what does that look like to you yeah so so right this is again this is a whole new thing to me I've always dabbled in writing I, I'm a very creative person mm-hmm. right and I've always dabbled in that. But at the same time, I've never pushed myself to do that. And always being a bit afraid and holding back. And I think I touched on this earlier about I was always saying to my therapist, I was like, there's just, I'm not hitting, like, I'm working in TV. I want to work in TV and film. I'm working in TV at the moment. I'm, I'm working on the best shows and I'm doing the best thing, whatever. And But there's still something missing for me. And again, at the side, I was always dabbling in now writing. And all of a sudden, I'm writing. And I don't know how this happened. I'm I'm after two, I've one screenwriting course underneath my my belt. Mm-hmm. I've I had this was not in my plan, and this what I'm saying about all of a sudden I feel like I'm not driving the bus anymore, mm. because all these opportunities and things are just happening. So for me, writing is taken off. So I've another screenwriting course that I'm going to be doing with Turtle Productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry McAvoy, he's amazing, great screenwriter, and so I'm doing a course with him, and then I'm also doing the we entering some competitions and that kind of stuff as well. But in terms of what it looks like for me, I'm throwing myself into it. I'm literally trying, like, I, I'd come up with an idea and I'm like, okay, I need to see where this, where my fingers take this. Mm. And then if I'm falling kind of flat, I'm like, right, why is it? And that kind of thing. So it's, it's very new to me. So new. Because obviously production is where I, that's my hat that I wear and it's so easy to me and I could do it with my eyes closed in a way. Whereas this is so new to me. It's given me such a challenge. Um it's probably the first time that I'm willing to take time off work to actually do it because mm-hmm. I, I am a bit of a um, sucker for kind of just making sure I'm I'm financially in a good place probably as well like I, as I said I grew up like mad kind of life you kind of would have been a bit poor as well mm. so I always have a fear of like returning to that um, but 
now I'm like, do you know what? I'm actually willing to give up working a bit for a bit just so I can focus on this. And that's a big thing for me to be able to do because obviously, you know, like you need money for, for, for so many things. But I was like, right, I'll be poor for the next while and just see where this creativity takes me because all of a sudden I'm writing things that I never knew and I'm just embedded in that and I'm interested in meeting writers and I just know that that's where I'm going to go and I'm like, okay, I need to use my writing to speak to people mm. and I need to give messages to people. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. Mm. You know, that's mental. And I don't know who the fuck I think I am even able to be saying that. But I just, I think I can back it up because of my story and my upbringing and all. And that's important to me that, because when I was younger, not that I didn't have role models, obviously everyone does, but I didn't know anyone that had a kind of similar tough upbringing like I did. And then, like the tragedy and stuff that I suffered and, and, and stuff I still put up with now but can still get up in the morning and be positive and upbeat and say I'm going to do this because I deserve to be in that world mm-hmm. I absolutely deserve to be in the room with these people I'm as good as these people um, not better not not less because nobody is I'm as good as these people we are all here together and I just want someone when they're living you know that they're, they're 10 or 12 and going through a tough time and they have a tough family and you know, their housing situation isn't great. I just want them to be like, oh, well, I I remember that girl did that and she had a similar upbringing to me. So maybe I could do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know the way? So yeah. that's kind of, that's that's what I want my work to be. Yeah, it's amazing. It's tangent. <laughs> no, it's, I love it. Um, This has been deadly. This is our Has it? We did what? it. Yeah, we oh did it. Oh my God. Look, there you go. Oh my god, amazing. Yeah, it was great. Ah. Um and I'm excited to see what you write. I can't wait to <laughs> I'll see. give it to you to read if you judge. Yeah, please, I'd love to. I won't yeah. judge it. I'd love to see <laughs> it. Of course. I'd love to enjoy it. Um all right, tell the people where they can find you because obviously there's so many different things going on between you said like the TV stuff, like and finishing up the production side of things and then mm. the writing journey starting. So it's kind yeah. of an exciting place. So like where can Absolutely. they follow your journey? So I think the best probably is my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so this is another thing. I'm not very um I don't do I don't talk too much on my stories but I will respond to everyone in my DMs and stuff if they have a genuine question mm. I don't I don't I don't really respond to the questions of oh where where'd you get the dress or where'd you get this or whatever because I'm like look that's bullshit like but ask me a real question and I'll totally respond to you like you know I need help with this or mm. I need whatever so and as well I just don't want to be another platform that fucking tells women like what you should look like and what you should wear and how you should look whatever mm-hmm. so um Instagram is definitely for me at Miss Anya O'Neill and my Twitter is the same. Sweet. So, oh, and I've ca- I do a bit of casting which you know is on the side so I'm casting calls on Facebook. Dead Grand. Anya O'Neill, thanks so much for playing nice. personality. Oh, Bingo. Love you. Woo, love you too. <laughs> So guys, that was Anya O'Neill playing Personality Bingo. Anya, again, if you're listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. I know just how busy you are, so it means the world that you're willing uh, to sit down with me and open up in the way you did. What a special, special chat that was. As I said, guys, go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash personality bingo. You know the bill, uh, you know the drill, and um, the bill will be reasonable. Uh, the drill is even simpler. Just go on and kick a few euro our way. Look, it probably won't make a massive difference in your life. Let's be real, two euro, it doesn't. Uh, but if you can, you know, kick that our way it makes a huge difference to us I do promise you that and if it doesn't make sense for you I totally understand keep listening for free it's no bother as Blind Boy says model based off soundness so guys that is all from us except for our thank yous to the wonderful Erin Lindsay for mixing editing and producing this podcast to Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for their deadly theme music to Connor Nolan for his beautiful artwork and Palin uh, Palin that's what we need to call them from now on 
Paddy O'Leary and Alan Bennett, Palin, for keeping the lights on at Headstuff HQ so brilliantly as they always do. It's so appreciated, guys, all the work you do for the podcast here. I am forever in your debt. So, guys, please tune in next week for another episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Moore.